his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. And Overnight America continues. Tonight, for the next few hours, we'll be talking the presidential debate and maybe some other things. Maybe we saw the same things during the debate. Maybe we saw something differently. Maybe you found yourself rooting for someone else. I don't know. But most people, I think, are already set in their ways, and maybe this is meaningless. So (laughs) we can look at it that way. Joining us now is the author of American Politics on the Rocks. I think he is a great guest. Someone that I always look forward to talking to, Rich Rabino. Hello, Rich. How are you? Hello, Ryan. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing very good. And I got to awesome. say, this uh, debate much different than the first one. Yes. Oh, no. This is, this is more standard operating procedure. You know, if someone came from the planet Neptune and visited Earth and watched the last debate and then watched this debate, you know, it really, it would, they, would, they would just be <laughs> stunned at how different ones. This is essentially standard operating procedure. One person talks, the other person talks. There's not necessarily a lot of interruption. And actually, for someone who has kind of a peripheral interest in politics, you could actually say, believe it or not, this debate was actually kind of commonplace, pedestrian, or even boring. <laughs> boring. <laughs> I, it's funny. Believe it or not. Yeah, to, to use the term boring with anything that Donald Trump is involved <laughs> with is something that doesn't happen all that often. So today's debate, uh, it went just a little bit long. I felt like they tried to jam the last couple of topics in because you saw the moderator, Kristen Welker, allow for maybe more rebuttals or maybe using a little bit more of the time to go over and over and over some things as opposed to pushing forward. But otherwise, I thought she did a pretty fantastic job. I think exceeded the expectations because a lot of people were worried that it would be another Chris Wallace situation where they were talking over each other. But man, the mute thing seemed to work pretty well. But I I wanted to ask you about the two different things that both of the candidates I felt like were harking on. And one thing was Joe Biden kept using the line, which is, uh, I'm not for a Democrat America and a Republican America. I'm, I'm, I'm going for Americans, which I thought, wow, that's that line has been recycled so many different times in politics, but I wanted to ask you about that strategy, trying to use that as a way to unify, I guess. Yeah, I mean, part of that, and it goes back, it, the one time this kind of didn't work, if you go back to Thomas E. Dewey in 1948, essentially what Joe Biden, I think, is trying to do here, I mean, well, let's, let's go back, his campaign has always been based about that. His narrative is that he decided to run for president this time around after hearing Donald Trump, and after seeing what happened at Charlottesville, he thought there should be someone that needs to come in and essentially unite America, and that Donald Trump was dividing America. So that's basically, that's, the, that's kind of the uh, impetus of his presidential campaign. But also when you talk in this language, you kind of talk in platitudes that way. 
stuff that's not necessarily controversial. You know, Thomas E. Dewey in 1948 would go around the country, go to Arizona and say, I think your future is ahead of you. He knew he was ahead, so he tried to say as little controversial as possible. And that's essentially what Joe Biden is. Do you try not to talk about necessarily substance? You don't try to talk about, you know, your 10-point plan for energy or anything like that. You just kind of talk in kind of platitudes, and you talk about how you're going to try to unite the country. The question is kind of how do you do that later on? We just talked about what he'd say in his inaugural address. He said he talked to people who – he said the people who supported him and people who opposed him should essentially, you know, kind of come together. But that was basically his plan, and it's, you know, it's – it's basically a plan that somebody that the head usually tries to talk in those in those terms. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that some of the different candidates, it works sometimes, it doesn't work. I think the thing that Donald Trump kept hitting was you keep talking about all these things you want to do, but you were in office 48 years. So he kept trying to hit that back. Yep. So trying to talk in the sense that you had your chance, your time has passed. Uh, strategies like that, do you see that often when it comes to someone running against a longstanding politician? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like there's, there, are two, there are two schools of thought on this. On the one hand, you're talking about you've been here 47 years. What have you accomplished? On the other hand, if you're trying to make Joe Biden, which he often does, he tries to make the case that he's – if you're trying to make the case that he's an ideologue, he's a radical leftist, well, then the case that Joe Biden essentially supports somebody who's kind of on the fence, if there are any people like that that are kind of peripheral Biden voters might say – well, you know, then Joe Biden's not some extremist because he didn't get in there, you know, and propose all these radical programs. Essentially, if it's true that he was in the office for 47 years and just kind of, you know, the Biden, the, what Trump, the case is kind of that he's just kind of, you know, getting a paycheck and he doesn't really accomplish much. Well, then the question is, would it be better to have somebody who's just kind of a status quo politician, which is Trump's narrative, who kind of, or some, who's just kind of a talker, or somebody like you know, like the get that goes in there, and as soon as as soon as he gets in there, he says we're going to ban fracking and proposes all this kind of you know left wing legislation. It's almost like when people argue, like in Mitt Romney back in 2012. The Barack Obama campaign was thinking about arguing that Mitt Romney had flip flop because he had been a lot more. Um, liberal or progressive when he ran for Senate in Massachusetts and in his first two years as governor of Massachusetts. And then he basically he basically flip-flopped on a bunch of issues. And Bill Clinton gave the recommendation to David Axelrod, who was Obama's campaign manager. He said, don't give that, make that case. If you're trying to make the case he's a flip-flopper, but the American people are going to come to the are going to come to the conclusion that this is not somebody who's some sort of a right wing ideologue. This is somebody who's essentially malleable, and even though maybe talking conservative, he'll come back to the center. So they didn't use that, and instead they tried to make the case that Romney was essentially too conservative for America, and it worked for Barack Obama. Um, so we'll see we'll see how the strategy kind of plays for. Uh, for Donald Trump, I mean, certainly it's something you always go after a politician that's been in there, say, you know, this person's been in there too long. But, yeah, but when when all is said and done, there are very few voters who I think are who I think base their who I think base their vote on say, well, you know, this guy's just been in there too long. We need somebody <laughs> new. Usually, it's whether I, I agree with this guy, or whether I like this guy, that type of uh, that type of a thing. Yeah, and and so, a lot of times you find the reason that happens is because someone super progressive comes in. Like here in St. Louis, for example, we have uh, the first congressional district, the oh, St. Louis yeah. area, and Corey we have. Bush. Corey Bush, yeah, and we had Lacey Clay and his father as well, someone that has been in decades and decades and decades between the two of them, and all of a sudden, I think a lot of people look at it, he took it for granted, and all of a sudden you get a super progressive person in, so I think sometimes people look at that and say, yeah, well, you, you did have a lot of years, and what have you done, and they look around and say, you know, they don't like what's going on. One thing I wanted to point out, uh, I think some of Donald Trump's best lines kind of got swept under the rug, and there was one thing he said that really stood out, and I thought, man, he could have really used this to his advantage, where he was talking about the whole, you know, you've been in 47, 48 years, or whatever it is, he didn't do anything, and then there was yeah. Yeah, and one moment where 
Joe Biden said, that's because the Republicans wouldn't do anything. They had control. And then Joe, then uh, Donald Trump goes back and says something along the lines of, that's why you have to work with them. Sometimes you have to sit down and really, you have to, you have to really work with them. And he goes on and says, I've done that with the Democrats. Why didn't you do that with the Republicans? Essentially what he was saying. I thought, wow, uh, if he would have mentioned that, that (laughs) you couldn't work with them. And then on top of that, got nothing done. That would kind of reiterate it. But I don't think he really spent much time thinking that was a strong point. But oh, um, well, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, um, yeah, go ahead. One more time. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, first of all, the best response, Joe Biden should have had a litany of pieces of legislation he'd voted for. He should have talked about the stimulus package and how he shepherded it through, um, you know, and then how we managed it. He should have talked specifically about the Violence Against Women Act. He should have talked about specific amendments to legislation he offered. He should have had that at his disposal. And also when Donald Trump said that, Donald, if I was Joe Biden, I would say, when was the last time you actually talked to the Democrat Speaker of the House? When have you talked to Nancy Pelosi, something like that? And he has to you know, say, normally he could say something to the effect of when I was vice president, you know, we didn't agree, but Donald Trump, but, but Barack Obama and I certainly met with John Boehner. We met with Mitch McConnell. Why aren't you meeting with um, Chuck Schumer? Why aren't you meeting with Nancy Pelosi? But obviously that was not a strategy that they employed. Yeah. So when we come back, I want to ask you about your general impressions. Maybe you think um, the best moments for each of the candidates and then who you thought may have come out ahead in this one. Do you mind holding on after the break? Yep, sure. Rich Rabino, you can find him online. You can find him in his book on Amazon, which is uh, American Politics on the Rocks, and his website. You can find a great link to it at politi-geek.com. We'll continue our conversation with him next on Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. And Overnight America is here tonight, live, and we will take some of your calls in just a few minutes. So if you want to call in now, you can. If you're still trying to compile your thoughts, that's good, too. We're going to continue now with our friend Rich Rubino, American Politics on the Rocks. Again, Rich, I always like it when we get to talk twice in a week, now yes. being after the final debate. <laughs> so generally speaking, I wanted to talk about both of the candidates. What did you think their best moments were? Yeah, I think that Joe Biden's best moment and is essentially is the way that he was able to distance himself from the progressive bloodline of the Democratic Party. I think he's probably made a cost-benefit calculation and decided that essentially the left wing of the Democratic Party, even if he's not, you know, even if he's not palatable to them, are not going to either vote for the Green Party nominee or stay home as a protest, that they're going to vote for him. So he's able to essentially, when Donald Trump tried to, for example, compare him to Bernie Sanders, he was able to say, you know, look, you're running against Joe Biden, not Bernie Sanders. And one line I find fascinating was when at one point when he's talking about, for example, the issue of banning fracking, I guess Joe Biden's position is that he wants to ban the, he wants to ban new fracking, but on federal lands, but he would keep existing uh, fracking lines. That's essentially what it, that's the argument he's going to make the next couple of days. But when the issue of fracking did come up and other issues, and the other issue, too, health care, by the way, when, it, when Donald Trump tried to accuse him of supporting socialized medicine, he said, look, why did all these other 20 candidates you know, run against me? Why did I have a hard time with them? Well, that's something that theoretically could certainly alienate some of the supporters of the more progressive candidates who did support single-payer health care, but he was right there and saying, essentially, I do not say, I do not support single-payer health care. I support a public option. If that were Donald Trump, I would have come back and I would have said something to the effect of, well, let me ask you, if Bernie Sanders and AOC plus three, like he likes to call them the squad, <laughs> um, had legislation in the Democratic House and the Democratic Senate, and they proposed to you, which would have established socialized medicine, would you sign it or veto it? And that would have kind of put him in a box. Uh, Donald Trump, I think, is best, his, his, 
his, no, it wasn't necessarily a best line, but just as his strategy in general was to come off as essentially a moderate and to come off as somebody who's essentially reasonable, which is really a transmogrification from his first debate. His first debate strategy was essentially to come off almost as an autocrat. This time around, he talks about, well, you know, I've changed Democrats' minds. He talks about how, um, you know, how he's, he talks about specifically, specifically how he's worked with Democrats. He talked about how, um, you know, his position is more moderate position on pre-existing conditions. It was similar a few days ago at his town hall meeting when he said maybe the Democrat, the Republican Party have changed a little because of me when he talked about how he would not get rid of, um, how, I mean, how we supported rather there being a ban on health insurance industry in health insurance companies um, not taking someone with a pre-existing condition. So essentially he was trying to come off as a moderate, but I thought the real line that was really that was fascinating was when Donald Trump said, you know, we have to we work with Democrats. We've had Democrats in here. That's where Joe Biden, I think, really could have used the bully pulpit and really pulverized him and said, when was the last time you met with Nancy Pelosi? But that's not something that Donald Trump uh, did. And he also was very good in terms of trying to create a wedge between Donald, between Joe Biden and the left wing of the Democratic Party. I think he, when he tries to say he uses terms like AOC and Bernie Sanders, which have really become kind of the tribune of the left wing of the Democratic Party, he gave Joe Biden the opportunity to either support them, plan, or to distance themselves. And it was interesting that Biden's plan was to distance themselves from the left wing of the party. Okay. You know, there's a few other things that I noticed during the debate tonight. And when they were spending certain times, they would get 10 seconds later. And, you know, that's it never took 10 seconds. Um, but one of the things that uh, Donald Trump did a few things effectively was it didn't matter how Joe Biden would rebut something he said. He would come back and just sum it up in a few words. So he did that when it came to the immigration. You know, he, he would say, OK, hey, you you know, who built the cages, who built the cages. So it didn't yep. matter what they said. He'd always come back with who built the cages. Um, it didn't matter what he said, regardless of the issues of what they passed and race discussions and things like that. He would go back and say super predator or he'd go back and say other things, too. Um so I think Donald Trump, when he had the opportunity, he was really trying to hammer in a couple of those things that really he wanted to make sure were remembered. I don't know if Joe Biden was able to do that on the on the recovery side of things. So when you talk about the memorable moments and we just discussed those sort of things, who do you think came out ahead and why do you think they came out ahead? Yeah, I think that in terms of I don't think there's much that's going to be remembered from this debate other than. When Donald Trump, when it tried to go after Joe Biden specifically by trying to say that he supported the banning of fracking and say, how does this play essentially for Pennsylvania? By the way, the reason you mentioned Pennsylvania, it's arguably the most critical swing state. It's very hard to envisage a scenario where Joe Biden wins the presidency without carrying Pennsylvania. That's why it's, you see him spending so much time there. That's why it's almost like he's running for governor of Pennsylvania rather than president of the United States. Um, it was interesting, too, Donald Trump. I thought it was a good line that he had when he went after Joe Biden for essentially not being from Scranton, saying, oh, well, he moved there when he was <laughs> he moved away from there when he was a kid. Because Joe Biden does try to talk about being from Scranton, and he actually has his campaign headquarters in Philadelphia rather than in Delaware to try to show that he's a Pennsylvanian because he knows how important that state is. And Donald Trump's saying to say, well, yeah, but you grew up there, but you essentially, I mean, you lived there first 10 years, but then you kind of moved away. And Biden should have come back and said, you know, I have ancestors there, something, something to that effect. And the only reason I moved there, I moved out of there was because my dad lost his job. And that's why we moved to Delaware. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't think there's really any, there's really any line other than just that one where Donald Trump says, you know, you're banning fracking. Joe Biden says, well, put it on your, show it to me and put it on your website. Um, so obviously, I think that was something that was probably a zinger that Biden campaign that was prepared for. 
So Donald Trump is going to probably go to now and he's going to put that up on his website where during the debate, Joe Biden says essentially, you know, he's going to ban fracking. And then Joe Biden's going to come back and say, well, I, what I said is I'm going to ban fracking on federal lands. I'm not, I did not say I'm going to ban any of the existing fracking. And obviously he's going to say something to the effect of this is going to be a long, arduous process of getting from of getting from fossil fuels um, to alternative fuels. So that's probably going to be a debate for the next couple of the next couple of weeks. But it's certainly something that Donald Trump in a sense is kind of playing on his turf because there are a lot of voters, traditionally union voters, who might be more palatable to Joe Biden, but also may say, you know, potentially, could my job be lost because they're involved somehow in fracking or they're involved somehow oh, yeah. in the fossil fuel industry, which is very important in a state like Pennsylvania, or for that matter, other critical states like Ohio as well. Yeah, at the very end, it was one of those things where he said, oh, listen to this. He wants to take away the incentives for the oil industry and get rid yes. of oil dependency. And he's like, do you hear that, Texas? You hear that, Pennsylvania? You hear that, Ohio? He's like, listen to him. And then uh, Joe Biden doubles down and he says, we shouldn't have all of these incentives in place for it. Uh, you know, and that's interesting because Donald Trump immediately came back and said, we already have incentives when it comes to solar and wind and yep. these things. Um, but you want to take them away from oil and listen to this, all of these battleground states. So, of course, after Joe Biden was called out on Scranton, he switched immediately to growing up in Delaware. <laughs> and he mentioned it about two, two times, too. Claremont, <laughs> Delaware. Yeah. OK, so uh, overall, the debate, you said, could be categorized as probably forgettable. There's not going to be a lot of these moments that are going to stand out between the two candidates. Um, probably not a lot of undecided voters left at this point. Do you, do you foresee any changing in the polls after a debate like this, or is it pretty much going to stay pretty smooth uh, the next few days? I think, I mean, bar, I always say barring a cataclysm, because you really never know with Donald Trump, if there's going to be some sort of a rabbit that he's going to pull out of his hat the, the, the week before the election, or just something unforeseen that potentially could come out, like, you know, like the Comey investigation and during the 2016 election, when James Comey announced the week before the election that he's going to, re, that he's going to revamp the investigation about the uh, Hillary's emails because of something he saw on Anthony Weiner, the former congressman from New York's uh, server. So there's always that possibility, but... You know, if you believe the polls, and there is an argument, there are some people that believe that there are these surreptitious Trump voters are going to come out that aren't telling pollsters they're voting for Trump or that somehow people are being underpolled. But if you believe the status quo, if you believe the polls, Donald Trump really needed not to necessarily tie this debate. He needed to really win this debate. And if that's the case, and I say once again, I always set the stipulation, if you believe the polls and you believe that there's not very little to change here, then this was not something that's necessarily going to move the needle in places like Arizona. I think he thought that he could potentially move the needle in the state of Pennsylvania and anything that he can go around the country and he can go to parts of western Pennsylvania. By the way, why this is so important is because you have a lot of blue-collar kind of Reagan Democrats who potentially voted for Bill Clinton, who voted for Barack Obama, who may be incredulous for Joe Biden. And they were certainly incredulous for Hillary Clinton in part because they believe that as soon as he gets in, you know, he will sign legislation and fracking is going to be disallowed. So that's the only but that's really the only thing, you know, either to kind of grasp at straws at this point for Donald Trump. So he really has an uphill battle here. The other thing I thought was really fascinating, he kept saying there's a really good chance the Democrats can take the House back, that the Republicans will take the House back. There is for if you look at the actual map. This is vir there is virtually, and I'll say this: it's almost a null set that they could actually take back the House of Representatives. They could take back, they could continue, just they could keep the Senate. But if you just look at some of these House districts, I'd like to see the I'd like to see Donald Trump specifically say how this is going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Just any poll that you see shows that there are very few Democrats that are actually vulnerable, and there are some Republicans. Uh, that are vulnerable this time around, but obviously he's just trying to, he's just, it's obviously a strategy. I think he knows yeah. this. 
is just try to attend, try to increase the turnout as much as possible so that people will come out for these house races and also yeah. support him. Okay, so I know we have to go, but just one other thing that I laughed at was when Joe Biden tried to use Abraham Lincoln, like, hey, Abraham Lincoln over yes. here. And then Donald Trump says, did you call me Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a moment. Oh, man. Um, that was fascinating because, yeah, no, absolutely. Obviously, you know, it's something that Joe Biden should have known about. Maybe it was just a mental asp at the time. But Joe, Donald Trump has said incessantly that I've done more for the African-American community than any president with a possible exception of Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that the line Joe Biden should have said, who should have said right, right back to him, he said, well, so you've done more than Lyndon Johnson, who signed the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, who appointed the first African-American Supreme Court justice, the first African-American to a presidential cabinet, the Open Housing Act. How have you done more than him? And then all Donald Trump would be able to come back and say, well, the Opportunity Zone that uh, Senator Scott from South Carolina and then talk about, you know, mm-hmm. historically black colleges and universities or something. But that was, I think, an opportunity for Donald Trump to really go after, yeah. I mean, for Joe Biden to go after uh, Donald Trump. Uh, for Abraham that. Lincoln over here. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Rich Rubino, if people want to look you up online, where are the best places? Yep. Just go to www.polita-geek.com or just find me on Facebook, Rich R-U-B-I-N-O, and you can certainly see my interviews there, or just go to Twitter at Rich Rubino, R-U-B-I-N-O, Paul, P-O-L. Perfect. Uh, Great. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Thanks for coming on, Rich. Indeed. You're you're quite welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy opportunities to hang out with Rich Rubino. We're going to take some more of your calls. So if you are on the line now, you are first in line. So Bob and Eddie, hold on. We'll take some more of your calls coming up at 314-436-7900. We'll just take a couple of minutes for weather and we'll be right back. It's Overnight America KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. All right, let's have some fun. Let's talk about the debate tonight, if that is your definition of fun. (laughs) I guess we have our standards set pretty low, if that's the case. I'd love to hear from you, your overall general impressions of the debate tonight and anything you want to talk about that way. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. Let's start with Bob, who's been holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Is this me, This is you, Bob, yes. Yes, thank you. 
So th- uh, thanks for holding on. So what were your thoughts tonight? My impression of the debate was that the really good-looking commentator was giving Biden more time and cutting tr- Mr. Tr- President Trump off quite a lot when he is trying to make his points. Do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, here's what I noticed, because I felt like when Kristen Welker, the moderator for tonight's debate, would go to Donald Trump, she would say, we got to move on to the next question. Then finally, she'd say, I'll give you 10 seconds. And then he would talk for maybe 10 seconds. But when it came to Joe Biden, she always gave the courtesy, Mr. Biden, would you like to respond? 10 seconds. And then she wouldn't talk over Joe Biden. That's what I noticed. But otherwise, I didn't feel like she was cutting Donald Trump off like what we saw during the first debate. That was just terrible. But no, the second one's a big difference. On this this debate, Trump was trying to make his points, and she kept cutting him off, and then she'd go to Joe Biden. I mean, it was, as far as I'm concerned, I, I mean, I watch it on TV, and as far as I was concerned, she was cutting Trump off and then going back to Biden, and it's just typical from the left, yeah, media uh, stuff that I, I think you're a fair person, yeah. but I think that that the the moderator was was against Trump, and I think that she cut him off way too often. He huh. went to to Biden, and Biden, he to well, me, he's a joke. Well, anyway, yeah, I'm but a dumb guy, so. Part of, yeah, no, that's okay, Bob. But part of the part of what I saw was that she was much more inclined to give Joe Biden 10 seconds uninterrupted. But when it came to Joe Biden or when it came to Donald Trump, she was more inclined to try to talk over or rush him through uh, having a response or a rebuttal to that. Well, but, what, I, yeah, what I saw was that she was interrupting Trump and then giving it back to Biden. And I think that's completely unfair. Okay. Do you agree with that? Um. Well... I, or, or somewhat agree, somewhat agree. You know how the answers are. Yeah, maybe a little. I, I just don't feel like she did a bad job. In fact, I felt like she did just, you know what, when it came to moderator's sake, I thought she did just fine. Nope, I didn't have any problem with her. So when, um, I, when I see things like that, it didn't bother me as much as what we've seen in the past. I can notice these things and I can point them out, but I didn't think it affected the debate all that much. I think I think she was completely biased toward toward Biden. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's understandable. Hey, Bob, thank you very much for your call. I, I appreciate it. Good to hear from you tonight. Uh, let's go to Eddie, who's calling in from Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Hello. Ryan, thank you for taking my call. And I just wanted to say KMOX is a flamethrower from here in the East Coast. Uh, Pick you up loud and clear on the radio. Awesome. I love it. You know, they're uh, talking about your state an awful lot lately. Oh, yeah, it's it's a battleground here. It's, it's a real battleground. I feel like I feel like we're on a bullseye somewhat with a few other states. Oh, sure, absolutely. So what were your impressions well, tonight? I think the debate was good. I I agree with you about uh, Welker. I, I think she did an okay job. She wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really had no issues with her. What I The main reason I called, there was a couple of points in the debate tonight that I, that I want to bring out that hurt both Trump and Biden, definitely with Biden is, is the shutting down the oil industry. I think that's going to hurt him somewhat. Mm-hmm. That was a bad, bad statement he said. So I think he's going to catch a lot of flack from that. They might, they might even run some ads about that. I well, yeah. Surprised. I mean, Pennsylvania being a state like that, every time they come in, they try to cater to the industry itself. And then he goes out and says this during the debate. I'm guessing a lot of people in your state are going to look at that not favorably towards Joe Biden. 
Right. And 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 then on on Trump's side, I think what hurts him the corona, which which Biden brought up the first time, and this time wasn't surprised. And also with the Social Security that he brought up about saying that Social Security could be shut down or depleted in the year 2023. Because I talked to a lot of older voters, and they're pretty uh, they're pretty scared about that. Mm-hmm. And some of them some of them are leaning Trump, and like some of them are on the side, like they're really trying to like decide, like have a, have a tough decision to make on that. Well, here's the problem, and I bring this up a lot, and I don't know how old you are, Eddie, but I'm guessing they've been talking about Social Security running out your entire life. Yeah, and it, I over, I, overall, I think the debate was very good. I think both of them did well tonight. I, 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 don't, I don't know if either one got the best of either one. I would say it was kind of like a, a draw. I don't know. It might be, I might get some argument on that, but that was my opinion. Okay. Very good, much Eddie. Better, much, much, much better debate than the first one. I agree. Hey, thanks for calling in. Good to hear from you Thank tonight. Have a good night. Thank you. Same here. And this goes back to that one ad. Do you remember? I forgot which uh, Democratic candidate ran it, but it was essentially you had the guy, and this is in the 2000s, I believe, where the it was showing throwing Granny off the cliff. It's like, oh, we're going to push Granny down, and she's in her wheelchair, and they get it, and we just toss Granny off the cliff. And this is the type of thing I think a lot of Democrats have been using, Joe Biden included, where we're, they're going to cut Social Security off, and everything's going to, we're going to lose Social Security, and then you're going to be out in the, here's part of the thing. As long as I can remember, they've always been saying that. In my even my parents' lifetime, they've been saying Social Security is not going to be there when you're older. In my lifetime, when I was younger, they keep saying Social Security is not going to be there when you're older. So to try to bring this up all of a sudden as if it's a Donald Trump thing, it's like blaming him that the funding for the post office is always under. You know, he's like, man, they've been talking about the post office losing money for my entire life too. And then they just try to pin it on him. Now, are they really going to run out of Social Security money? Well, it's yeah, you can talk about these sort of things. But here's the, it's not a Democrat, Republican, type of thing. It's something that happens all the time. I mean, it's if if you're bringing it up to score points, I don't I I can see why it's a good scare tactic because you can use it against whoever's running in office, but it's not a genuine type of um, thing that you could bring up on Donald Trump. Let's go to Lou, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, uh, thanks for taking the call. Uh, A couple of things I wanted to say. Um, One, uh, you know, Biden was saying, oh, at the border, they ripped children from their parents' arms, where Trump should have come back and told Biden, you have no trouble with supporting the National Abortion Rights uh, League, you know, NARAL, who supports tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of children being ripped limb from limb from their mother's uh, wombs. And uh, your vice presidential candidate has prosecuted uh, David DeLayden, who who caught him selling baby parts. You have no problem with that, and you're trying to say, oh, how terrible that was, you know. And another thing, um, Biden said, oh, that uh, hard drive was a Russian plant. Well, that's that's convenient. They can bring in the Russians when they want to, when they get incriminating evidence against them. Mm-hmm. And another thing, it's about that. Um, well, I'd call it a, a debate. It's supposed to be an interview with Leslie Stahl. I'm glad the uh, the White House apparently has the uncut version that they're releasing because it'll be very interesting to compare that with what CBS is going to put on on 60 Minutes. Hmm. Okay, that 60-minute interview, um, they've been talking about that all day on the news. Uh, Lou, thank you very much for calling in. Good to hear from you. And, yeah, you're right. If you want to talk about that, abortion didn't come up once. Why is that something that doesn't come up? This is, uh, I think, a topic that always comes up, and it seems like pretty much for every election. Why haven't they brought it up in the debates? Is that just not something that is uh, worthy of debate? I 
I think that if you're trying to figure out who you're going to vote for, that's a pretty big determining factor for a lot of different voters. So you think it would be relevant to talk to the two candidates about their stances on it, or is it just so well known? Maybe they don't want to make Joe Biden look bad by bringing it up to him. Uh, 314-436-7900. You can call or text that line if you want to. Uh, call in now. We'll take some more of your calls next on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com on KMOX. I love getting your comments, your calls. If you want to text in, you can. And we're going to talk to Kristen Arnold after the news at 11 o'clock here. And if you're listening to this on the replay, just go to the Overnight America podcast. But how does she feel the debate was moderated? So Kristen Arnold will bring us some statistics from not only Kristen Welker's side, but how the two candidates handled their time. Let's go to Brian, who's holding on. Welcome to Overnight America. Hello, Ryan. I wanted to uh, make an observation here. I think that uh, the president missed an opportunity to really land a uh, almost knockout punch when uh, Biden began going on and on about Biden care and how that was going to save people $2,000 and so forth and so on. And the president should have simply shot back. Uh, that was what your side was saying back in 2010. If you like your current doctor, you can keep him. This is going to save everybody $2,500 per family. And we see how that worked out. But you want us to trust you again. I wish he had said something like that, but unfortunately he didn't. Mm, you know, let me point out that wouldn't it be great if we were to just pull all of the clips of the times Joe Biden was praising Obamacare and how great it is and how great it will be, and then try to compare it now when he's trying to separate himself from it and saying he wants to do Biden care. So, yeah, all of this stuff about, oh, everything was great and rosy was all great until he was up running for election and then realized that it maybe wasn't the greatest thing to associate yourself with. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good to hear from you. Have a good mm-hmm. night. Goodbye. 314-436-7900. Let's go to Sherry. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi there. Hi. Hey, I just want to coattail on something that Lou said and then segue into something else. Shortly after Kamala Harris was named as the vice presidential running mate for Joe Biden, um, she was asked why she wanted to ban guns and she didn't want guns in the hands of Americans. And she said, because they're killing our babies. Well, I would point out the same thing Lou said. What about the abortion issue and the number of children that are killed via abortion? And so I'm going to segue into the gun issue. Yeah, so Sherry, let me just also point out, and this is, again, a topic that I'm surprised wouldn't come up because most sides would want to make sure their stance is known on this because this is what really resonates with their people. It's amazing that I think right now Joe Biden and Kamala Harris they don't look at that as life. I think that needs to be pointed out. So many people would just look at that in shock and say, you're telling me that doesn't constitute life, the the unborn in the womb. So that needs to be distinguished between the two. And they, I, th- I don't know if that was a purposeful thing. They didn't want to bring something controversial up based on their own stances on it. But go ahead, Sherry. What was your other thing? Well, and then the other thing was, um, I think it behooves any American um, to study their history and to look at what happens whenever uh, people can't defend themselves. Um, and you can go way back and you can see um, what that looks like. And a lot of people, I don't think they 
they do their due diligence in uh, vetting <laughs> vetting these these gentlemen that are running for president. Uh, they they I think they need to do that. And um, I think it might have been Thomas Jefferson who said, uh, "The government that governs least governs best." <laughs> just, just something I wanted to say. All right, thanks, Sherry. Good to hear from you, and that's that's a good comment. I like that. But yeah, part of the of the abortion thing does that does that really surprise you? I think it does. It, to me, I think it should have been something that could have came up during the course of these debates. So if you missed it uh, last hour, that's okay. I'm going to play some clips uh, next hour which will be fine. And if you miss the final closing segments, maybe I'll just do that. Here's the final thoughts between the two presidents. I'll give you that opportunity to hear both of them. And next hour, Kristen Arnold's going to join us. She's a debate moderator. She does, well, a fantastic job looking at how the debate was conducted. So who did they get equal time? Did they get equal rebuttals? Who interfered the most? And how, in general, did they keep the train on the track? So I'll be interested to see what she thinks about that. So here's the final comments from both candidates at the end of the debate tonight. First was the opportunity to Donald Trump. Here's how the question was set up. What will you say in your address to to Americans who did not vote for you? You'll each have one minute, starting with you, Mr. We have to make a country totally successful, as it was prior to the plague coming in from China. Now we're rebuilding it, and we're doing record numbers, 11.4 million jobs in a short period of time, etc. But I will tell you, go back. Before the plague came in, just before, I was getting calls from people that were not normally people that would call me, They wanted to get together. We had the best black unemployment numbers in the history of our country. Hispanic, women, Asian, people with diplomas, with no diplomas, MIT graduates, number one in the class. Everybody had the best numbers. And you know what? The other side wanted to get together. They wanted to unify. Success is going to bring us together. We are on the road to success, but I'm cutting taxes and he wants to raise everybody's taxes and he wants to put new regulations on everything. He will kill it. If he gets in, you will have a depression, the likes of which you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell and it'll be a very, very sad day for this country. All right. So how did Joe Biden follow up with that? I will say I'm an American president. I represent all of you, whether you voted for me or against me. And I'm going to make sure that you're represented. I'm going to give you hope. We're going to move. We're going to choose science over fiction. We're going to choose hope over fear. We're going to choose to move forward because we have enormous opportunities, enormous opportunities to make things better. We can grow this economy. We can deal with the systemic racism. And at the same time, we can make sure that our economy is being run and moved and motivated by clean energy, creating millions of new jobs. And that's the fact. That's what we're going to do. And I'm going to say, as I said at the beginning, what is on the ballot here is the character of this country. Decency, honor, respect, treating people with dignity, making sure that everyone has an even chance. And I'm going to make sure you get that. You haven't been getting it the last four years. Okay. And I think I know how Donald Trump would follow up with that, basically saying, uh, you had 47 years, so... <laughs> All right. Uh, Kristen Arnold, debate moderator, coming up next. Overnight America, KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. 
But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.